You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome to the Jim Jeffries Show. I'm Jim Jeffries, and I'm trapped in the body of a child. <laughs> Next time an old gypsy lady asks for a piece of bread, don't spit on her. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> I start the show, you can. I'm back to me old self. Good thing I discovered that magic wishing wheel during the opening credits. <laughs> Welcome to the Jim Jeffries Show. I'm Jim Jeffries. Last week, yet another person who'll never be president decided to run for president. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced his bid. I intend to break the mold, and I intend to make history, and I intend to win. Bringing the total number of Democrats to 24. 24 Democrats have announced their 2020 campaign. That's madness! To put that in context, if you laid all 24 candidates on the ground end-to-end, -end, Bernie Sanders still wouldn't be able to get up. <laughs> I want to get up. I do. But the 1%, they only get up. The rest of us stay down. <laughs> How am I supposed to keep track of everyone? I mean, of course, there's, there's Bernie Sanders, uh, Joe Biden, the gay guy, bald Obama, lady Obama, white Obama... <laughs> The lady that you have to call auntie, even though she's not your aunt, she's just your mum's friend. Me and your mother met at Woodstock. We both blew Hendrix. You were in your mother's belly. Now be a dear and refill my wine glass. Anyway, what I'm saying is there's a lot of candidates. Everyone knows the front runners. Then there's a whole tier of hopefuls struggling to get traction, like Pete Booty Judge. Yeah. He seems nice, but his political experience is limited to being mayor of South Bend, Indiana. I'm going to say no mayors for president. What kind of relevant experience does he bring to the table? You can't challenge Kim Jong-un to a pie-eating contest. <laughs> because Kim will win. <laughs> that guy loves pies. For lesser-known candidates, politics, as usual, just isn't good enough. These days, you've got to be cool and charismatic and streaming your every move, like Beto O'Rourke. All right, everybody share this. Beto O'Rourke is on a skateboard in a Whataburger parking lot. I don't know if it gets more Beto. you got to share this. That's fresh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but a skater who has a nickname should not be president. Your name is Robert Francis O'Rourke and you're almost 50. Nobody wants to hear a president describe the budget as gnarly whilst practising kickflips at the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Go down the list a little bit more and you get into the real no-names. Just a sea of unknown white men. You know, Michael Bennett, Steve Bullock, uh, John Hickenlooper. <laughs> what can you say about John Hickenlooper other than who? And... and that's not a real name. <laughs> I'm not even sure which of these people is John Hickenlooper. <laughs> so I'm just going to call the whole group Hickenloopers. <laughs> these are the faces that appear if you search stock photo site for the word guy. 
And then you get the candidates who might not even be aware they're running for president, like former Alaska Senator Mike Gravel, who is 89 years old and hasn't held office since 1981. Check out his official campaign video, which features him hobbling down to a pond and throwing a rock. Throw it, Mike! Throw it! Here it is. Mike Gravel. Tough on water. It's almost like the people running Mike Gravel's campaign are a couple of teenagers who just think it's funny to make an old man do stuff. This is the tweet that we're, that we're, that we're gonna send out, right? So just turn to the camera and just say, Drill's got nothing on me, okay? Drill's? Drill's got nothing on me. What's drills? Just drill. So, drill is a drill. I'll explain it afterward. And drill's got nothing on me. <laughs> That's so perfect. Poor man has been kidnapped by teens. <laughs> if you see Mike Gravel, please return him to his favourite bench. <laughs> the pigeons are worried. <laughs> no, look, I, I, I would like to personally apologise. We shouldn't have done that joke considering the passing of Mike Gravel. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's... Well, he might be dead. We don't know. There's just a good chance he could have died during that joke. <laughs> the truth is there's only really one thing that people want in a Democratic candidate. In a recent Monmouth University poll, 56% said they would prefer a candidate with a good chance of beating Trump, even if they disagreed with that candidate on most issues. In the end, it doesn't matter if it's Biden or Warren or any one of these people. Next November, the choice is going to be Trump versus the person who is not Trump. That's it. <laughs> Honestly, I'd vote for a can of soup over Trump if it means I have to stop paying attention to the news. Hey, did you hear what President Chunky Beef did on healthcare? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> he did nothing. He's soup. <laughs> but I believe we can do better than soup. <laughs> so we need someone to get excited about. So let's build the perfect 2020 Democratic candidate. What would that person look like? Well, Democrats need a win, so it'd probably be a white man, although Obama was black and Hillary won the popular vote, so they should also be a black woman who, who thinks like a white man. Like, like she's, she's black but shops at Tommy Bahama. Or maybe it's a white man who thinks like a black woman. Like, picture like a white executive type but he has very long bedazzled nails. <laughs> Also, everyone says they want a candidate they could have a beer with. So a functional alcoholic. <laughs> Relatable. Now, basic physical characteristic. Uh, well, Joe Biden's smile is the best thing about Joe. Also, the name Joe. That's a good, solid American name, Joe. Everyone loves a Joe. Good old Joe. But not everyone loves Joe's gropiness. So we need the candidate who's not too grabby. So give them the asexuality of, let's say, uh, John Hickenlooper. And... <laughs> but with a dollop of Mayor Pete's gayness, just so we're being inclusive. <laughs> Next, we'll add a sprinkling of religion. Oh, and they have to be a veteran, right? So let's remove a body part that they lost in the war. Uh, which war, which body part, doesn't matter. Um, okay, let's have a look and see what we've got. Universal health care. So, there it is. 
vote for that. <laughs> I'm off for a wank. <laughs> we'll be right back. Green jobs. Civil liberties are under attack in America and a lot of people seem pretty angry about it. But in some places, they've just learnt to live with it. I went to Singapore to investigate. Take a look. Nothing gets Americans off quite like freedom. Sure, other countries are free, but not America free. And if you could rank freedom around the world, we're number one. We're number... Oh, there is a freedom ranking. And we're ranked... Ah. Turns out freedom is constantly being redefined. After 9-11, Americans were told that trading civil liberties for security was the new normal. And people all around the world trade away freedoms every day. But can big trade-offs ever actually be worth it? I've come to Singapore, a crazy rich place with some of the strictest laws on earth. I sat down with journalist Conrad Raj to learn how the government keeps its people in line. Let's talk about some of the, the Singapore laws. What, what are some of the more extreme ones? The one that restricts speech, gatherings, right. protests. Like many laws in Singapore, they are there to instill some fear. You can be fined for selling gum or forgetting to flush the toilet, but prostitution? <laughs> they're okay with that. Gun ranges? Sure. It's a carefully designed system of carrots and sticks. The carrots are the prostitutes. The sticks are the actual sticks they use to cane people. Oh! Tell me about the caning. There's a guy, I mean, that they assigned to do the caning. Does he have a nickname? Is he like Kenny the Cane? I, I, no, no, no. And they can give you up to 24 strokes. Right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. And, uh, I need about 26 to Yeah. <laughs> Could you say something wrong here, right now, and be in trouble? Could be, but at 72, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a wife, so there's no other <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. collateral damage. Well, you used to have one. She, she said too much. <laughs> uh. Even with their strict laws and severe penalties, the government has shown that it can be reasonable. As a former British colony, they decided to emulate London Speaker's Corner, famous for drawing big crowds to engage in raucous debate. So I sent our cameraman down there to get a shot of this hotbed of democracy. What is this speaker's corner? I've heard without any restriction, you can say whatever you want. Uh, there are still certain restrictions. You don't have to get a permit or anything? You have to, you have You to still have to get a permit? You still have to get a permit. And the police station's just around the but corner. But you're not being watched by cameras or anything like that? You've Probably got... you would be. Right. But apart from the cameras, the police and the permit, you're just free to do whatever you want? Yeah. Right, right. Good, yeah, good, yeah. good. If Singapore is going to claw back some of its civil liberties, maybe the answer is the country's young people. Throughout history, younger generations have fought social injustice around the world. So I met with a group of college students to see how they're planning to take on the man. Everything I know about Singapore comes from the movie Crazy Rich Asians, right? That movie's accurate, correct? Nope. No. Uh, Not one bit. <laughs> what do you feel about all of Singapore's rules? Um, I'd say they're, I'd say they're quite uh, fair. I feel that the laws are necessary for the country to function. I think that the rules were to allow us to grow to this point. Yeah, I do think Singapore has a lot of opportunities, despite the rules. Part of the social contract is accepting that some civil liberties are restricted or suspended. 
Okay then. It seems that these young rebels are actually pretty happy. In fact, according to a UN survey on happiness, Singapore has climbed the rankings in recent years to 34, ahead of more democratic countries like Italy, Spain and Japan. Maybe that's because Singaporeans get free healthcare and giant tax savings. Basically, the government is giving away a bunch of free shit, so no one complains. But even in Singapore, some things are too important to keep quiet about. Have you ever wanted to speak about something but couldn't? Yes, multiple times. And what, what are those things? Like they frown upon stuff that is LGBT related. As a person who comes from the LGBTQ plus community, it's very restrictive here. That's right. While being gay isn't technically illegal here, Singapore has come up with a very Singaporean way of criminalizing it. It is illegal to have gay sex. Yes. But it's not illegal to be gay. Yeah. I, I could want to have a cock, but I just can't have a cock. <laughs> That's right. Is there gay nightclubs? There was one place called Spartacus in Chinatown. Spartacus. Yeah. It's Spartacus. And then they come in there and they raid the place and they go, you're a gay. And then another person sets up and goes, I'm a gay. No, I'm a gay. No, I'm a gay. With all this social injustice, is anyone speaking truth to power? Now, I don't want to brag, but nobody's better at calling out politicians than comedians. There are many words that we mix up, confuse and change all the time. Like the number three and three. All the words free speech and governmental offence. So when we come back, I sit down with Sam C, a young stand-up comic trying to make it in a country that severely limits free speech. I've had to learn how to sort of dance around the line. Get close enough, but not too close where I get arrested or go to jail. If a guy and another guy have butt sex, it's called a sin against God. But if a guy and a girl have bad sex, it's called his birthday. <laughs> Welcome back. Before the break, I met four Singaporean college students who are more than happy to trade some freedoms for a safe and secure life. But what happens when critiquing society is basically your job description? Meet Sam C. He's trying to make it as a stand-up in Singapore without pissing off the authorities. Have you ever been pulled off stage? Uh, yes, a number of times. I've had to learn how to sort of dance around the line, how to sort of get close enough, but not too close where I get arrested or go to jail. In Singapore, we have um, army conscription and it's called national service. My dad gave me the advice. He said, Sam, before you go in, remember, at first, it's all about you becoming into a man. <laughs> he got the advice the other way around. Men would be into me. <laughs> Do you find as a gay man that it's a difficult thing here in Singapore? It's something that you try and your best not to think about. Right. Especially since I go on stage every other night to say, hey, I'm gay, and I know it's technically illegal to promote it positively. Right. Could you argue if you got in trouble that you're playing a character? Oh, yeah, but they're not going to buy that. Yeah. I've, I've sucked off too, much, too many people in yeah. this country. <laughs> <laughs> what would be enough to go to jail? The closest I've gotten is just making government jokes and gay jokes at the same time. Like, if you, put, you go, oh, this guy in government is a homosexual, would that be... Crossing the line. Yeah, because it's true. That's the worst part. So there are people in Singaporean government that are gay. Which country doesn't have gay people in the cabinet? A cabinet is a form of a closet. Mm-hmm. A fancier. Yeah, yeah. A fa it's, yeah. It's a fancy closet. Oh, my God. You hear he filibustered me last night. <laughs> so dirty. TV programming, does it get censored before it gets here? Cleavage gets censored. Cigarettes get censored. 
alcohol bottles get censored. How do you how do you how do you censor a cigarette? Do you just pixelate it? Yeah, just pixelate it. So they're just smoking a, a Japanese penis. That's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Some porn is regulated, right? Oh yeah, uh, they've blocked all the good stuff. So Pornhub is down. Pornhub's but I I accessed Pornhub this morning. I did. I think I can get porn right now. I've never seen Pornhub before. My God. You're about you're in for a oh. treat. We'll see if we can get some gay stuff for you. Good. Do they have fisting? You want a gay fisting porn? Yes. All right. This is what I'm in for. Boom shakalaka. Oh. Pornhub. We got porn. 23-year-old meth addict. Extreme fisting. Just like you requested, young man. Thank you, sir. You're very kind. Right, Scott. Can you get a, a close-up on that? I don't. I've I've forgotten what the reason I'm doing this is. <laughs> You know, it's easy to judge Singapore, to say that they're all willing to give up too much. I mean, free speech and porn? But let's not assume that they're super jealous of us either. Would you ever want to live in the US? Before, maybe, now, not really that yeah. much. And what, because of Trump? Yeah, I don't feel like they, they treat foreigners that well. The, the impression of foreigners on them wouldn't be as good. Uh. You would be worried about not feeling welcome there? Uh, I think people now don't have the same perception of the US. Yeah. As we used to have 10, five years ago. Right, right, right. Americans like to say that they're the greatest country in the world because of their freedom. What do you say to that? I'd say they're a lot less free than they think they are. Right. You're not free to go to school without getting fear of getting shot at. Freedom comes at a cost. Is that just a cost you don't want to pay? Walking on the street and knowing that the likelihood of me getting shot or blown up is a lot lower than somewhere else in the West, it's of great comfort to me. Overall, is trading civil liberties for security a good deal for the Singaporeans? Put it this way, most Singaporeans will agree that it's been a good deal. But I think things could have been liberalised far more than they are now. And without harming security, uh, security is an excuse often to uh, bring out more restrictive laws. Right. It really is a false choice. Freedom or security. That's a message our government needs to hear too. Luckily, we still have the right to complain. It's a great privilege, but it's only worth something if we use it. We'll be right back. And it's the last one before hiatus, but before we go, we try to keep this show light and fun and we plan this big finale with lots of special effects, but we're, we're not going to do that because there's something else I feel I really need to talk about. Alabama, Georgia and Missouri have completely destroyed women's rights. Abortion is healthcare and bills like Georgia's Heartbeat Bill and Alabama's Human Life Protection Act are naked attempts to take that right away. We can't stand idly by why people... Comedy Central said if we paid for it, we had to use it. But anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, anyway, it's been proven that banning abortion doesn't prevent it. It only forces women to risk their lives seeking unsafe abortions. These laws, written primarily by men, are dangerous and backwards. Here's the deal. If you don't like abortion, don't get one. But do not force that on the... We're not doing the cards. We're not, do we're not doing it. No one's getting a card. Don't look under your seat. Uh, so blame Alabama. 
Look, things might seem a bit hopeless right now, but we need to keep working to protect women's bodies. So please donate to organisations fighting this fight like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. They need all the help they can get right now. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We'll see you in the fall. I'm Jim Jeffries. I think we can all do better. Good night. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.